if you will, you'll be turning to First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, just some notes. Um, no service this coming Wednesday. Uh, I expect everybody to be enjoying a good time with their families and be busy with those things. So uh, we will be too, and we're thankful every day, and what a, what a blessing it is to have a day of the year people ought to be thankful. That'd be nice. Um, and then... Uh, a week from today, the 26th, we'll have just one service at 10 a.m. or 10.30. I got there the bulletin, 10.30. Uh, uh, just one service uh, that week for words. Cause you gotta, we have to use words for something. No Bible study. I've said this before, and I want to be as painfully clear as I can be. The difference between a Bible study and a message, they ain't one. There is in false religion. <laughs> Like, well, we turn in this one and this other one's an expository message of experiential learning. And uh, I was talking to Brother Stoniker about that one time. And I said, I just, whichever one I think is going to be the shortest, that's the one I use first. And he goes, me too. Unless, it, you know, obviously we need to see this first before we see that. And uh, it's, opt, if I ain't experienced it and it ain't what the word says, I ought not be preaching it. Right? Same thing. We got caught something. <laughs> Anyway, you got First Timothy. These are some faithful sayings we're going to look at. Faithful sayings. Four times in the scripture, Paul writes, this is a faithful saying. He tells Timothy three times, and he tells Titus once. He said, these are faithful sayings. What's he getting at by using words like that? When he says, this is a faithful saying, he says, this is trustworthy. What I'm going to tell you, this is God's apostle. If you don't believe that, don't listen to him. Find you another one. <laughs> this is the man sent of God. Let's open our ears up. Lord, give us ears to hear. He's saying this word's from God. It's sure. You can rely on this saying forever. It ain't, it ain't going to change. And you need to write it down. And you need to read it often. Not one time 26 years ago. I remember a message on it. No, we need to hear it today. We need to read it today. We need to experience it today. We need to take notice. And these four statements, three times in Timothy, one time in Titus, we're going to see some things. And this would be a great comfort if there's sinners in need. If somebody's got, they're all squared away and they got everything sorted, I ain't got nothing for them. <laughs> if somebody's a sinner and they're in need, these will be comforting. This will be good. We'll see who does the saving. We'll see who is saved and how we're saved. And then we'll look at what a faithful saying it gives us security and comfort and, and all of us that are preserved and who preserved us, how. And finally, those faithful sayings, we'll see the product of the salvation. We'll see the outcome, the fruit of salvation. What happens after a man and woman is saved and they're given a hope of perseverance, what that produces. And we're going to turn to these and look at them, if you'll turn with me. These are trustworthy. These are from God. It's his word, and there are four things that's, that's worthy to be accepted by everyone. What's that mean? Young or old, rich or poor, learned or unlearned. If we've heard 26 messages on this before, we ought to hear this one. We should. 
These are sayings that warrant acceptance any time of day. It's just so. So 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. 1 Timothy 1, 15. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. This is the very foundation of salvation. Here's where it all starts. You ready? Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into this world. The very one who thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he is God was made a man. And he left his throne in glory and he descended to this sin-cursed earth for the purpose of saving sinners. Of whom, this is the qualifier, I'm chief. That's a faithful saying. Everybody will accept that. It's worthy of acceptation. Who came? The God-man, the Messiah, the prophet that Moses wrote about, that, that one that the ark of, that Noah was in and his family, that one that it typified, that priest that Melchizedek was just a type of, that we've been looking at Joseph portrayed in every little nook and cranny in Genesis, in every way, all those things. This is him. It's the Lord of glory. He's the Christ, that same Jesus. That angel told Joseph in Matthew 1, he said, she's going to bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For, because, here's the reason you're going to call him Jesus. He shall, not he might, not he pretty please wants to, that ain't God. This is God. He shall save a people, his people, from something, because they're sinners their sins. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's the one Isaiah wrote about. He said, The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. That's God with us. Who came? God came. God came. The Lord, God with us. What did he do? That's who came. What did he do? He came into the world. The very world he created. And, and you know what? He came here and the world didn't know him. We think we got a handle on God. We can put him in a cute little box at Christmas. They didn't know him and he was here. He preached to them and they didn't know him. They tried to kill him. That was their intent every, every turn. Throw him off a cliff. Let's cast rocks. Let's accuse him. Let's do something. Get him out of our hair. If he ain't going to give us hospitals and free health care and, and a permanent income and all this other stuff. We don't want him. If he ain't going to be our physical king, get rid of him. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, they cried. That's the world he came to. This condensation, is, it's easily looked at that he came down for those sinners. He came down to, 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 to save some sinner somewhere else. He came to save this sinner. Now we'll quit getting away from... Uh, 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 stuff up here and start getting stuff here it's not just that he's the savior of sinners he saved this sinner and I needed him it had to be that way and it had to be just and it had to be holy and he's the only one that could do it do you need him I do that's what he came to do he came in this world where I live he was made from the dirt that I was made from he come from a woman didn't he I came from a woman and for 33 years 
God dwelt among us, and he walked perfectly among all the demons and the hell-deserving sinners and Satan tempting him and everything else. And he walked in perfect holiness, in thought, in word, and in deed to his Father. Why? Because those that he came to save must be holy. you got to be holy. And he made his people holy, just like him. He lived for them. He died for them. He rose for them. We must live a perfect God-honoring life that he deserves. And we can't really calculate what that means. <laughs> like that man with the withered hand, stretch forth thy hand. He commanded to do something the man could not do. And he says to his people, live, be thou holy, like, just like me, as I am holy. And they are. They are. He's never commanded something that didn't come to pass. It happens. That's how we're saved. Substitution. I touched on that last hour, but if you boil the gospel of peace with God in Christ, that free and sovereign grace, that amazing grace, that saving grace, if you boil it down to two words, it's substitution satisfaction. We are war against God until he saves us. Until he comes and gives us life and reveals Christ in us that He we always have been saved, and he did it on Calvary, and he did it right now when he revived us and... Christ, the Almighty Godhead in a body, came to this world He created, lived as our substitute, was punished as me because it was my guilt and my shame and me laid on Him and He died and He's risen from that tomb and all of us that He died for with Him. Risen from that tomb because the Father was satisfied in absolutely every point. That's our proof. And He's satisfied forever. There's nothing to add to it. Christ did this, now you. That's a lie. Stop. <laughs> you ain't got to do nothing or have to do something. You got to clean up something. I'm glad. I'm, me and Joe Terrell sit down and talked about this one time years ago. I said, ain't you tickled to death? I can't mess this up. <laughs> if it's an anvil, I could break it. Give me enough time. <laughs> I'll ruin anything. Can't be undone. Can't be undone. Who was this for? This is good news. Who's it for? Sinners. Not just those that are a little bad. Well, I've done some wrong things. You self-righteous pig. I was too. I said, well, I ain't that bad. Sin. The noun. That's our nature. We drank iniquity like water. That means that's all the good stuff. We drank religion like water. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's what Paul said. God made me a preacher. Paul said that too. I'm an ambassador. I just come and tell you what he said. People get really mad at me, don't they? They get frustrated. Somebody reached out to me. Not to, I talked to somebody in six months because I told them what God said and they wouldn't have nothing to do with me. And then they reached out. I guess they could have changed my position. And I said, here's what God says. And then I ain't heard back from them. <laughs> I'm an ambassador. I just tell you his word. Here's what I'm to preach. If you're the chief of sinners, if you're enmity with God, at God, not at God, but enmity with God, all you are is war with him. You're an enemy. You're the worst offender. That's exactly who Christ came to save. If you're the worst of the worst, that's who he came to save, not the ones that's kind of bad. I thought of this the other day. There's, I don't know if we'll go on to Exodus after we get through with Genesis or not, but... Uh, 
whenever the Lord gave the Passover, the Lord's Passover, not the Jews' Passover, he said, you take a lamb and you put it on the door with hyssop and water. And you go inside that and the firstborn's going to live. Anybody inside the house are going to live. Now, take the worst sinner you can think of. Trick question. <laughs> or the worst crime. That'd be the best thing. What's the worst offense that I haven't outwardly committed? Imagine the most, I mean, a horrible thing, the most atro atrocious thing that a human being could do. You take that and you put it inside of that building with that blood on it. Is it saved? Well, we're getting out of brass tacks now, ain't we? What does that blood do? God said, when I see the blood, I pass over. It's paid for. If God teach you that, go read Romans 14. And then go read Romans 13 and everything else. Read his word. Doesn't matter. If they're in there, they're his. It's covered. It's covered. That's so, isn't it? That's witnessing is telling about that. Telling someone the gospel is called witnessing sometimes. Why? Because we're just recounting what happened. If I was a witness to a car wreck out there, I'd just say, well, that car hit that car. I don't say, well, I think that a long time ago Ford made this. And no, I, that's my opinion that a helicopter was involved. Even though, no, you just tell what you saw. You're a witness. You don't make stuff up. You tell what you saw. You're a witness. What's Paul witnessing? I'm the chief of sinners. What do God's people witness? I'm the worst one there is. I know Paul felt that way, but he didn't know me. He hadn't, he hadn't been through his mind. He hadn't thought the things I thought. He hadn't done the things I've done. I'm a chief. I'm a chief. Not somebody else, me. I care for people's souls. I care for y'all's souls. Almost like I got to give an account. I want, I want that to be us. Us. And the heart. And God, the Holy Spirit came and he told me about it. I sent the Holy Ghost to abound towards me one day through a man preaching the gospel. He wasn't an eloquent man. He wasn't a well-educated man. He wasn't a man of great stature or of nobility or anything else. Just some old country bumpkin got up and preached the gospel. And I heard God speak that day. It wasn't just that fellow I've known since I was born. God spoke to me that day through him. That was just the, con that was just the water hose the water was coming out of. That water hit me. He sent his Holy Spirit and did that. He revealed sin in me. He, re he revealed my unbelief. Remember when you didn't believe? I didn't believe God. He's right. I'm wrong. He sent the Holy Ghost to do that. Nothing's left after that but to praise the Savior and to tell others who he is and who he saves. I want to tell somebody else. I want to tell those I love. Don't you? When Christ sat down to eat lunch one day, he sat down with some dirty people. He sat down with some uncomely folks, some publicans, some sinners, some prostitutes, fishermen, crippled folks, blind folks, those with leprosy on them. And those self-righteous, prideful, arrogant people said, look at what he's doing. He, he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners. And he answered them. God spoke. And he said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. And if he calls, you're going to get repented. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> you're going to be at repentance and in it and doing it and everything else. He's going to make it make sure. It's his doing. It's his work, isn't it? 
preaching just one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread, isn't it? Where we find the living bread. It's in Christ. He's the living bread. It's a person. Not just a doctrine, a person. And he came to this earth and he died for sinners, the very chief of sinners. I wrote down, am I the chief? It's a good question. Are you the chief? We'd have a humble spirit if we was. We wouldn't be uppity if we was. God put that in us. Because his mind would be in us. Are we the worst one ever? If I am, if you are, then this is a faithful saying. Faithful saying is worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. What do sinners contribute to this work of salvation? Turn a couple pages over to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. <clears throat> Verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Is the Lord telling us through Paul's writing here that we don't need to worry about doing push-ups and sit-ups and running? Other people think that. Now be careful them translations of the Bible. Get you a King James Bible <laughs> and stick to that one. Or is he telling people you got to obey the law? No. No, he's not insinuating those things. He's telling us that all that physical exercise of religion, it profit us little. All the doing. All the doing. We think, I, me too, right? Well, if I just got up and preached and we sang the songs at the end, you can act like it wouldn't bother you. We'd, we'd cringe a little bit, wouldn't we? What well, if we had the Lord's Supper instead of the Lord's Breakfast? That's been on my heart for a few years. What's he doing? We, we got a lot of grave clothes, all of us, because we got them from Adam. We got them in our own doing, but we got them from Adam. We think things ought to be done a certain way. And me too, I'm, I'm chock full of them. But all that doing, it, it profits little. It doesn't do anything. It ain't worth it. Look up verse 1. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hard, hard iron. What will be the product of that? Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Who does that? Do heroin addicts tell you you can't get married, you can't eat that meat, you can't observe those days? They don't care. It's religion. That's what that is. If you're going to get married, you got to run through me first. So we're going to have to have some counseling sessions. We'll have to premarital counseling. And then I'm going to determine how long that's going to take before you can get married. Who am I? <laughs> I'm a sinner. I'm a chief of sinners. Look to Christ. I'll give you some recommendations of what his word says. Marry a believer. You can't eat a BLT and be God's child or fill in the blank. If they do this or don't do that, you can't be God's children. What do this? They can't do that. You have to wash your hands. You know they got after the Lord for that. Your disciples don't wash their hands. What? You can't wear certain clothes. Or you have to wear certain clothes. Or you can't be God's child. Observe days. 
There's no way a child of God could observe Halloween. Maybe they observe that day and they can't get over it yet. And they still have to, someone, they don't see, they have liberty that they can go out and let the kids trick or treat. Like that ain't worshiping devils. You can do yoga. It's fine. You're stretching. Now, if you're doing it to worship a devil, then you're worshiping a devil. But if you're doing it like, oh, the Lord gave me this body, I'm going to stretch it and try to take care of it. Then you're just stretching. You see the difference? And Paul, that's what we read in Romans 14. Paul said, don't, don't be an offense. Don't say, watch what I'm going to do. Well, how are those brothers and sisters going to learn? By me standing up here and telling it. That's foolish. That's exactly what they think it is. I got to address those things or nobody's going to tell them. Preaching of the word, isn't it? He said, make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything I say. What about these restrictions? What about the meats? Read on. There in verse 3. So which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You eat what you want as long as it's received in our bodies of thanksgiving because you know God provided it. That's like if that, if that Catholic church down there was having a fish fry and I was broke and I only had 99 cents and it, the cost of admission was 99 cents, go down and eat a fish fry. Thank God. Like, look what he gave us, a fish fry. That's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going to make it my practice to go down there, especially as your pastor. <laughs> that's a man that preaches the gospel. But if that's necessity, don't you know what David did? He ate the showbread and then took it out to his men. If we get the print, I was trying to write that as an article of the day. If we get the principle, we'll get we'll understand the particulars. If we can get the principle, we'll know how to apply it. Lord, and that's called maturity. That's growth in grace. Lord starts teaching us some stuff, we'll start applying it. Then we start. I, I got Frank Tate preached a message last week, and I want my children to listen to. I told you all about it. I'll send it to you today. You can listen to it on the trip this week. Uh, employees and bosses. You want to be a good employee? Be a child of God first and dwell on Christ and you'll, you'll be a good employee. You'll be, you got a mean boss? Don't matter. It don't matter. If, you, if your bosses pay your employees as much as you can pay them and then thank them when you pay them. It, it does wonders. Well, why would I do such a thing? How has the Lord dealt with you? How was he a servant? How is he as a, how is he as a boss? If we know him, we get that principle, the particulars will know how to apply it, won't we? I just beg him to teach me, to give me wisdom and understanding. <laughs> Verse 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing's to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For if it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Lord, thank you for thanksgiving. I thought of that. We got a day coming up. One day a year, people has to acknowledge that something come that they didn't do. <laughs> God did God made the crops or he raised chickens and, and turkeys and hams or wherever y'all eat. And, and somebody's, well, who do we thank on Thanksgiving? Maybe they'll ask somebody. Maybe somebody like the mass message will be sitting at that table that didn't offend everybody and they didn't get invited. They'll be sitting at that table and they say, what do we ought to be thankful for? Remember somebody asked Queen Victoria that, the letter M? God chose the people. Like that other faithful saying, he came in the world to save sinners. I'm chief of them. If you was a chief sinner, i got good news for you. I'm thankful for that day. Some say, well, these days are abused. Other people abuse it. Other people take Christmas and ruin it. Well, they aren't in my house. That doesn't affect me. I'm thanking God for it. I'm thankful for it. What ought we to do? What ought, out of this debt of love, what's, what is profitable godliness? Confessing the truth of Christ and man. All flesh is grass. Behold your God. 
avoiding that fleshly religion and of our, our vain minds and all those traditions because that's what mommy and daddy did and that's what grandma and grandpa did. And, and, and staying, looking to our Redeemer as he's pleased to make us. Look here in verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you're a sinner, Christ came to save sinners. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up with the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. He asked Peter, didn't he? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Nourish my lambs. Nourish them. Verse 7, but refuse profane and old wives' fables that exercise thyself rather unto godliness. You want to do something to serve God? That, that Lord that came down from heaven and saved us and gave himself for us a ransom, you want to serve him? Then do it. You want to serve the God that saved you? Here's your chance. Serve him. How can sinners saved by grace serve our Lord? Remind brethren of Christ. Love one another. You want to serve God, the one that saved you? You want to do, do something to honor him? Be long-suffering. That means you're going to suffer for a long time. Be kind. Be gentle. Be meek. Make ourselves the servants, not make ourselves the head honcho. Make ourselves the learner, not the teacher. Put our helmet on. Let this mind be in you. Be humble, didn't it? Verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Put away all that religion, the superstition, the routines that we have, and believe Christ and love the brethren. Remember when I come here preaching about of 1 John, we look through 1 John. Believe Christ, love the brethren. That's John's thing all through that, isn't it? Believe Christ. Do righteousness. What's that? Believe in Christ, loving the brethren. Love them. Don't, don't talk about loving them. Love them. Don't think about loving them. Love them. Well, I don't know how to love them. And the Lord said, you being evil, you know how to deal with your children. They ask you for bread, fish. You don't give them a scorpion. Love them. Love them. In the life now and the life to come, don't put on a show for men. We'll put on a show for God. God looks on the heart, not on outward form. God help us to come into his presence and his people with two ears and one mouth, looking to learn and serve and not instruct him and be submitted to. And those that declared to God, they said, look at our wonderful works. Lord, look at all we did. And we, we cast out demons in your name and we heal folks in your name and we, 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 and I, I, I. I founded churches and I planted things and baptized folks and he said you're crying to me Lord Lord not everyone that saith in me Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven what's the will of his father many will say to me that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name cast out de demons and done many wonderful works so say I never knew you depart from me but when God speaks to his children he says, the king will say unto them in his right hand, Come, blessed to my father, inherit the kingdom. Prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. I was sick, and you run soup out to me. And we'll say, Lord, when did we ever do? We never saw you in prison sick. When you been sick? How, you can't even get sick. I never saw that. He said, you done it to the least of these, you done it to me. 
Our Lord tells us there in verse 6, 1 Timothy 4, 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. What an attitude change, isn't it? From keep the law to do in those first three verses to I'm a sinner saved by grace and here's what the Lord did for me. I used to do the same thing you were doing. I've done, I've done it. And then the Lord taught me and the Lord showed me and he did this and he had mercy on me and had gracious to me. And We got a, a brother right now that's going through a big trial. He moved far away and he's going through something. And I went through that 15 years ago. <laughs> that wound's healed up. I learned the lesson. And he, he sent me here to say, I, I've lived it. I understand. I know exactly what you're going You're thinking this, ain't you? I bet you felt that. And he said, that's exactly right. It's fine. Lord's on his throne. This is on purpose. You may be going through this so you can legitimately comfort a brother in 15 years from now or a sister or whatever. So this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And then he said, Bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that of which to come, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. I didn't save myself. I didn't perform an exercise to be saved, to be made more holy or to stay that way. Christ did. And believing God, loving him, loving our brethren as Christ loved us, as he served us, as he's laid down our life for us, that's worthy of everyone in the world accepting it. Isn't it? Is that profitable? Is all this going to last forever? Are we really going to be preserved forever? Is this too good to be true? Sounds that way, doesn't it? You mean I was at war with him? And he did all this stuff for me? <laughs> Second Timothy 2. <clears throat> Second Timothy 2, verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. For if we deny him, we will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. If we died with Christ, we live with him. If we're made one with him. We live with him right now. In this physical world, death means to end. We always use that, don't we? Well, it's died. The car died. That means it don't work no more. Or somebody else died. We think of that as an end. In the spiritual world, death is this body shedding and us just beginning. They're with him. That's, boy, that's a, that's a start. We're going to know him as we are known. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to be like him. We won't have the, 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 even the possibility of failure, of sinning, is not there. Holy, with him, blameless before him in love. When he came to this earth and lived, we lived in him. When he died, we died in him. And now we live because he's on his throne. That's why the token of baptism. I, he, he lived, I was living. He was buried, died and buried, I was died and buried in him. He, he rose forth, I came forth because I'm in him. Unity, oneness. If we suffer with him, what's that? Being counted with Christ, bearing the reproach of Christ in our hearts against our old man. Yes, if I was alone on an island, that's so. And in our families, 
A lot of people have reproached for this gospel from the mothers, the fathers, the husbands, the wives, children, siblings. I do. You do too. We do. And the reproach of our friends and co-workers. And the Lord said, Mar- marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Called us brethren. <laughs> Called us friends. <laughs> he said, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. It hated me before it hated you. That's just so. It's going to happen, isn't it? Brother Henry wrote an article in somebody's bulletin this week, and I'll try to put it in ours next one. But Joy of Christ in the midst of troubles. He said, any man or woman who claims continual, uninterrupted joy, rest, and peace in this world is either not telling the truth or has no connection with reality. True joy, rest, and peace are things we enjoy in Christ in the midst of troubles, afflictions, and infirmities. We have to have the troubles, afflictions, and infirmities to have the joy, the rest, and the peace, don't we? Now we glory in those infirmities. He sent them so we'd look to him. Isn't that kind? Isn't that wonderful to suffer with him? Even too, there in verse 13, if we believe not, you have unbelief? I do. I'm still in this old man. I believe there's a new man in me. I got a whole lot of this old man left. There's times I, I Lord, help my unbelief. I, I read this word, and it don't seem real to me. I'm, I, and I think there's no way I'm a child of God. If it's up to me, there ain't, right? If we believe not, he abideth faithful. He can't deny himself. You mean he's the one that's faithful? Yeah. And I'm one with him? Yeah, he ain't going to deny himself. That's all done. It's finished. That's good news. That's a faithful save. People go around this world saying, you better not do this or don't do that or start doing this or God will, God will punish you. Uh, my punishment's over. I may get corrected. I may get chastened as a child, and that's okay. Lord, teach me something. That punishment's put away. It's over. That's a faithful save. That's precious, isn't it? There's times we don't believe. We have unbelief. And we get frail and we're weak in faith sometimes. And we say, Lord, I didn't believe it all. And when our faith is small, it can't get any smaller to its lowest point. He's faithful. That never changed. Titus 3. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3. Verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. That every other year, constantly. Stand on it. Pay attention to it. Write it down. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed. Who's he talking to? People saved by God's grace. It's already happened. You're his. He's put away your sin. I'm I'm talking to the new men and women inside of you people. (laughs) That's what he's saying, okay? That they which have believed already in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. That licentiousness or lasciviousness, that license to sin. God saved us. I can't undo it, so I'm going to go out and rob banks or whatever. What? No. Should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
New man, a believer doesn't have a desire to do that. Do we sin? Absolutely we do. Do we want to? No, that new man doesn't. It abhors itself. It does. But that we might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Is that good for us? Well, it ain't going to hurt us. <laughs> Is that good to your neighbors? Don't have some rip-roaring party out there or cutting a shine or fighting with your husband or wife. The neighbors hear it and say, oh, by the way, you want to come to church with us? Well, it's good for them. It's good for them. Here's the fruit of faith. The fruit of faith. People talk about fruit. Well, what's fruit come from? A root. <laughs> There's a root and a trunk and a branch and fruit comes out. And the fruit ain't for that tree. Fruits are something else. If you've got an orchard you got a, and you don't sell it to somebody, you're going to go clean all that fruit that fell out. Right? It's going to rot and stink. Flies are going to be all over. It's going to be nasty. It's for somebody else. The root is believing on Christ. The fruit of faith is walking in his footsteps. Our walk's rooted in him. And we're looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, aren't we? You who believe you're saved by the blood of Christ, you be careful not to bring reproach on the gospel of God's grace. And I'll tell that in a mirror. <laughs> Remind myself who I am and whose I am. I told the kids the other day, got the car. I said, remember who you are and whose you are. There's times in life, there's going to be people I bumped into. That's a burden. And the only influence or, or, or introduction or contact with the gospel they have be through me. The only relationship, the, the only believer they'll ever bump into was me or you. I want the Lord to give me wisdom in those things and be with me. You be careful not to bring reproach on the gospel, not to bring reproach on those that are redeemed by His grace also. This is profitable, not just for the brethren, but to all men. That's good for society. Did you know that? Makes us good citizens. Kiermaier said, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. <laughs> it's going to be the intent someday, I hope. I pray that the Lord love me that I can love others. I pray he'd give me joy, that way I would be a joy to others. He'd give me peace, that way I could calm somebody else. He'd be long-suffering me. Show, just show me how long he's been suffering me. <laughs> that way it'd be a whole lot easier for me to suffer my brethren. That's sufferable. Be gentle to me. I pray be gentle to me so I know how to be gentle. I have to be taught these things. These are faithful sayings, isn't it? Christ came to save sinners of who I'm chief. I didn't do anything to merit it. It was all of grace. I, I died to sin, death, and hell in him, and I'm alive in him right now. And when I'm weak in the faith, when I should perish, he's faithful. Does that provoke us to good works? Does that give us a heart to serve him that, that laid down his life for us? I pray so. I hope, hope he's will stay with you. I hope I can affirm them constantly. <laughs> Keep a notepad and remember them. Let's pray together. Father, be with us today and this week. Send your spirit to us and give us a word of wisdom. When we're around those that don't yet know you. Lord, strengthen us. Make us wise. Wise as serpent and harmless as doves. Forgive us for our failure, our cowardice, our looking to self. Lord, and turn us. Make us look to Christ. Thank you for him. Thank you for your 
purpose in saving a people and his payment and the proclamation you've sent your spirit to declare to your people. Thank you, Lord. Be with us as you promised you will be. Amen.